Hello and welcome to the After Sermon Podcast, where we talk about a Bible topic, character, or concept. And today we're talking about God's victory over sin and Satan as we discuss the sermon, The Downfalls of Satan. Welcome to the After Sermon Podcast. We're very glad that you can join us. It's been a while since we've recorded, but we're glad to be sitting back down, back in our kind of virtual studio. And of course, uh, it's just not a podcast unless I'm joined by someone with uh, some good brains, uh, good looking, you know, all, all these all these good attributes. So I had to call in Jesse Marks. How are you doing, Jesse? I am doing well, and you're you are honestly too kind, Mister Mister Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I just figure I butter up uh, my co-hosts, and they're always willing to come back, you know, after after some kind words. So it's a good strategy. I mean, while well, I'm here, so it's obviously working. <laughs> and we're up, we're up to episode forty-five, and you were in episode number one. So man, there you I'll go. Time flies. That's insane. That is insane. That's right. And so really, uh, I may have mentioned this in a previous episode, but uh, this year most likely will be the final year for the After Sermon podcast. So the goal that we have is to reach episode 50. It's a nice milestone number, and uh, I think it'd be a nice time to kind of celebrate what uh, we've done together. And uh, I'm just kind of getting a bit too busy <laughs> to keep up the podcast forever. But uh, I really think the podcast has done um, a great number of things, has reached out to so many people. And so I didn't want to just retire it uh, unceremoniously. I thought, let's get to 50. Let's make it a nice milestone number. And that'll be uh, kind of the end of a nice chapter uh, that we've had there. So here we go. We're on the road to episode 50, Jesse. Um mm. We're getting close. We're getting very close. Very close. And uh, we'll, we'll probably share some more uh, memories of our journey along the way when we hit 50. But seeing as I've got you here, I remember episode one, we recorded in uh, my bedroom. We just <laughs> like uh, at this table with one mic and we're like leaning all the way in for this mic, you know. And I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, this is like, you know, a uh, Steve Jobs starts in a garage and becomes yeah. big man. This is our garage. So. Oh, this is the start. <laughs> yeah. And uh, look, we have we have grown, and um, we're so glad that uh, so many of you uh, find value in uh, listening to what we have to say. We don't know everything, uh, but we really enjoy just really talking about these meaningful topics, and uh, we're glad that you uh, are getting some of that value out of that as well. So. <laughs> Well, look, let's, uh, let's just get into things, shall we? So the sermon today is entitled The Downfalls of Satan. And uh, of course, if you haven't listened to the sermon yet, make sure you do, because this podcast is full of sermon spoilers. Uh, but also, I want to give a quick shout out to Dr. Kale DeWall. Uh, he wrote a paper called The Downfalls of Satan, 
And uh, I took a lot of what he wrote and put it into my own words. Um, so I want to make sure I give credit to him there. He's kind of uh, the brains of the operation. I was just uh, the face of it this time around. Um, and look, I think it'd be good to give a quick crash course. Maybe you can do this for us, Jesse. We're going to be talking a lot about Satan. Um, but it can be a bit confusing. Uh, who is Satan? Like, was he always bad? I, I mean, yeah. Who, who are we talking about here? Can you give us a bit of a rundown on who Satan is? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So Satan, or I think, as you said in your sermon, the Satan. Uh, in yeah, the yeah. yeah it's, um, it's a title. Uh, it means the adversary. Uh, and then he's this ominous figure in scripture um, that he keeps popping around all the, all the spot. But Basically, from beginning to end, Satan is originally an angel. He's a, a cherub in heaven. And um, the cherubs are one of the highest. Uh, there's different ranks of angels and cherubs are pretty well at the top. Uh, I think you mentioned in your sermon as well that they they surround the throne room of God. So um, you can't pretty much get any higher than that. And so Satan was one of these uh, cherubs in heaven. And he being so close to God, something, you know, something mysterious, we don't exactly know why, but he developed the thoughts of envy and uh, selfishness. And he found himself wanting to take the place of God. He found himself wanting to sit on that throne. And over time, those thoughts developed and he eventually he, he got so uh, worked up in that idea that he started spreading He's, uh, I guess, lies about God with the other angels in heaven saying, you know, God's not actually a good ruler. You know, he's actually deceiving us. This, you know, this law that he's set up, we can't follow it. It's, it's unjust that he requires us to follow this you know, law, the way he runs the universe. <clears throat> and so he started spreading these lies and he eventually, you know, worked up a bit of a following and tried to take the throne of God and, the Bible describes like uh, a conflict in heaven. We don't really know the nature of that conflict, but yeah, eventually it ends up that he is kicked out of heaven um, and he makes his way down to, to earth. Um, and if you're familiar with the story in the Bible, he appears as a snake to Eve and he deceives us and he deceives the whole human race and enters the whole human race into sin and rebellion against God with him. Um, and then from there, it's just a sad story of him continually making woe on humanity, deceiving us and enticing us into his rebellion against God. Um, and in a nutshell, we'll, we'll delve into it more, I'm sure, as we continue the podcast. But yeah, in a nutshell, that's him. Once a good angel who was in a high position but fallen, he, he wanted God's place, he wanted God's throne, and now he is in rebellion against God and anyone that is with God. And uh, yeah, in a nutshell, he's not a good character. Oh, so <clears throat> he, listening to that story, a, a question that comes into my mind is, all right, so Satan rebels, and because of that rebellion, he brings with him all this uh, pain and evil and suffering to our world. Why, why doesn't God just kind of snuff out Lucifer as soon as he rebels? Like he, he'd spare us, you know, all of this... Uh, this uh, pain we have to go through why not just get rid of lucifer what was god thinking yeah very good question and like it's a very good question that often like theologians and people in the church debate about a lot but i think at the heart of it satan was raising some serious allegations and questions about the way that god was ruling the universe he was 
and, and to a great degree, I believe, um, creating distrust among many of the angels and other created beings and, and us. And if God was to just immediately snap out Satan um, without, I guess, the full extent of what he was insinuating, you know, played out, you know, it could have created some serious doubt among the other angels, among the other created beings. And it might have given credence to some of Satan's arguments, you know, okay, this one guy starts asking questions about God and God immediately snuffs, like snuffs him out. I mean, what does that say about God? It's, it's like maybe maybe Satan's onto something. Maybe he's not actually as good as he says he is. And so if God was to immediately snuff out Satan, it would, I think, give credence perhaps to some of Satan's questions that he was raising against God and the way God ruled the universe. And so God being the always God that he is, he, he decided to let things play out. And as we will, I'm sure we'll discuss this further, he wanted to reveal the, the true color of Satan and the true character of Satan and what he really was inside his heart. Not the, I guess, the uh, the display that he made that it was just a righteous um, act to, you know, to get off an unjust ruler from the throne of the universe. No, God knew what was in Satan's heart and he wanted that to come out more, I guess, more openly so that, you know, people realize what he really was. Would you, would you uh, say anything else to that? Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. And I think as well as, uh, as Satan's character is really being exposed for kind of, you know, he's a, exposed as a, a fraud and a bit of a huckster, really. Yeah. Uh, God's character is also uh, revealed and it's ultimately revealed through Jesus at the cross. You know, his character is ultimate love. Uh, in contrast with Satan, who's just complete selfishness. Um, so, yeah, that awesome. Thanks for that, Jesse. That gives a, a really good kind of framework for the rest of our discussion. And uh, what I want to do, we're going to skip forward a bit and then work our way back again. And I want to go to Revelation chapter 21. And this is uh, really where things wrap up. So as we said, uh, there's a lot of pain and suffering and evil caused by Satan at the moment. But Revelation 21 talks about how the world's not always going to be that way. God is going to recreate uh, our world and make it so that there is no more uh, pain and suffering. In mm. Revelation 21, uh, it says, uh, this is from the perspective of the Apostle John, who's in a vision. He says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Um, so that first part, you know, is a bit self-explanatory. Okay, God makes a new heaven and new earth. But it, it, it's got this weird detail at the end, and there was no more sea. Um, I don't know about you, but when I first read that, I was kind of scratching my head going, all right, cool fact, John. Like, it's seems completely way out of place like what what were you thinking <laughs> yeah like okay is he just giving a bit of the geography or you know what's going on and um really what john is doing here he's not trying to give us uh geographical details really he's not that interested in you know making sure we can draw a map or something uh he's in vision and uh he's giving a theological message um and so really what we need to think of is, okay, well, what kind of um, spiritual significance does the sea or the ocean have throughout the rest of the Bible? 
Um, Jesse, do you have any kind of maybe insights into that? Like what, what does the sea often represent for us in the Bible? Well, first of all, I, I, I did a little bit of research before the podcast um, and I was looking at how ancient, ancient cultures saw the sea and uh, like basically they saw it as chaos. It, it's this unknown thing that's often dangerous, um, a bit, yeah, you know, a bit confronting. I mean, you can't live in it. I mean, like we have the privilege today of like knowing to a certain extent what's in the ocean. You know, we have, uh, you know, divers and we have submarines and we have cameras and we can sort of, uh, you know, have a fairly good understanding about what's in the ocean. But to the ancient world, they, they, knew barely nothing i mean besides from what they saw obviously the coastlines and them sailing on their ships compared to us they knew nothing and so to them it was chaos it was the unknown it was dangerous um and so i think that should definitely help uh i guess play a certain um yeah give us a certain image of what to expect from the, the biblical story as far as what the bible is concerned i know that in revelation i believe Often it's, I think, is it the beast that comes from out of the sea? Maybe yeah, yeah. From this, yeah. And so, like, it's it's often a place where God's enemies come from. I believe in the in the Bible. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm not I'm not super knowledgeable up on this. Perhaps you could add to that, Chris. <laughs> but I believe uh, yeah, that's basically it, right? The beast yeah, comes from yeah. the place where God's enemies come from. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's exactly it, and. Uh... We see that in Revelation and in Daniel as well, in uh, Daniel's vision in chapter 7, all of these yes. big beasts come out from the sea. Um, so when John talks about Revelation, he's just pulling from uh, Daniel. Daniel. And uh, just going back to kind of, you know, what you said about ancient cultures. I mean, our culture today, we've explored more of outer space than we have the ocean still to this day. <laughs> That's true. Which That's is crazy. True. You know, like it's... Uh, space is a lot harder to reach. You know? uh, I guess, I guess going deep down into the ocean is pretty hard as well, you know, because uh, of the pressure, but True. Um, getting something out of the gravitational, you know, force of our planet, like that's pretty difficult. And yet we've done that and explored more of that outside than we have our own ocean. So even today, I think that um, there's a yeah. few remnants of that kind of, general fear and uh, anxiety around this kind of unknown area. And I think the other thing is it's just uncontrollable. It's untamable. Like, yes. Yeah. No, no one can tame the waves, you know, or a typhoon or anything like this, you know, it's um, like a lot of, uh, when you look at like some of the sea gods of ancient cultures as well, like they were kind of reckless and un untamable. Yeah. Like I think Poseidon, <laughs> he was also, the god the sea but also earthquakes and so like <laughs> it's a destructive force it's like untamable yeah and honestly i still have, i think i still have a healthy fear of the ocean to some some respect today i mean you've got to right it's... oh yeah yeah <clears throat> and, and why is it like in mythology the the god of the sea is never like you know this just chill guy who's just you know he's always angry or something but it was because the people were trying to you know explain the world around them and be like well you know, why is the uh, the ocean so temperamental and uh, dangerous? But yeah, coming back to that kind of second theme of it's a place where these enemies arise from that come to attack God and his people. So if the ocean and the waters represent uh, like chaos and strife and danger, then the embodiment of uh, 
of, yeah, this kind of suffering and uh, evil comes out from the ocean. And mm. um, the, uh, there, there are a few examples that we're going to have a look at. And uh, maybe, Jesse, if you want to read out those two verses in Ezekiel, and I'll have a look at Jeremiah. And it's interesting, um, in Daniel and Revelation, the beasts that are talked about there uh, like a lion and a, a leopard and a bear and these kind of amalgamation of different things. Uh, and that's in what we call apocalyptic literature. Uh, that's very symbolic uh, and uh, like that. These other two prophets, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they're uh, more traditional prophets. So they're not apocalyptic. So they're not using kind of these big symbols and stuff. And what they decide to uh refer to these enemies of God as uh, they're kind of like sea monsters or serpents or dragons. Now, the Hebrew word for it is tanim. Mm. And in each one of these verses, uh, we're going to find the word tanim, obviously translated into English for us. But yeah, the word tanim can be translated as a sea monster or a serpent or a dragon, mm. um, kind of any one of those variations. So yeah, let's see if we can spot some tanins. Sounds good. Uh, so, yeah, the first verse is Ezekiel 29, verse 3, I believe. Um, do you want me to read them all in succession or do you want one at a time and then we'll uh, break it down? Uh, yeah, yeah, just read them in succession. Yep. Sounds good. Cool. So, yeah, Ezekiel uh, chapter 29, verse 3 says, Speak to him and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You great monster lying among your streams. You say the Nile belongs to me. I made it for myself. The second verse is also in Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 32 and verse 2. It reads, Son of man, take up a lament concerning Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say to him, You are like a lion, lion among the nations. You are like a monster in the seas, thrashing about in your streams, churning the water with your feet and muddying the streams. And the final verse is in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 34. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has devoured us. He has thrown us into confusion. He has made us an empty jar. Like a serpent, he has swallowed us and filled his stomach with our delicacies and then has spewed us out. All right. Some awesome, intense, full-on uh, Bible passages there. Yeah. And uh, what translation are you reading from there, Jesse? Uh, that was the NIV, New International Version. NIV, awesome. So depending on what translation you have, some will say monster, some will say serpent, some will say dragon. Uh, hmm. But yeah, whatever translation you're reading at home uh, as you read along with us, you'll easily be able to identify what the tannin is. You'll, you'll pick yep. it up pretty quickly. And uh, it's really cool, isn't it? Like all of these, like the Pharaoh, he lives in the Nile uh, in, in the... Hmm kind of ocean bed and the king of Nebuchadnezzar, he swallows things up like a monster and he spits them out. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, these are two of the uh, really big enemies of God's people, Egypt and Babylon, the Pharaoh mm -hmm. and Nebuchadnezzar. And they're both called Tanins. They're both these mm -hmm. monsters. These destructive sea monsters. Yeah. Yeah. So you might be scratching your head and going, okay, what is, What's this got to do with Satan? Like, where, where does Satan come into this? Well, what if I were to tell you that the Bible also refers to Satan as a tanin? He is 
like Nebuchadnezzar, like uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he's one of these enemies of God that is a, a serpent or a, a monster of some kind. And we read about that in Revelation 12, 9. And this is one of the, uh, this is right in the, uh, the story of one of Satan's downfalls. This is one of the uh, downfalls that is discussed in the sermon. And it says this. Uh, yeah, this is perfect. This is literally him experiencing one of his downfalls. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it says, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of all, uh, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Mm-hmm. So he's described as a great dragon. And that word dragon there, the Greek word is dracon. Mm-hmm. And uh, this actually makes sense. Uh, you, you, you're already familiar with this term uh, because we've, you've probably heard of the term, uh, like if a ruler has a draconian rule, mm. um, they're, you know, like a tyrant, they're tough. And it comes from a Roman emperor, uh, either Dracon or Draconian, I, I forget which, but either way, his name is based on this Greek word, Dracon, which means dragons. He was dragon. the dragon emperor. He was, he was tough. He was a tyrant. <laughs> And Satan's the same. He's this tough, mean tyrant. Mm. Uh, but the word dracon, so when people wanted to translate the Hebrew Bible into Greek, so or the Hebrew Old Testament into Greek, when they came to the word tanin, so these monsters that we read about, they used the Greek word dracon. So they thought mm. that a good equivalent word in Greek for the tanin sea monster was a dracon what we call a dragon mm. now um jesse i'm sure you've heard many a sermon on uh you know satan being cast out here and this is, you always have an accompanying powerpoint slide and what does the dragon look like in all of these artistic renditions Ooh, something akin to uh the smaug from lord of the rings like uh yeah. devilish eyes horns big wings fiery like fiery breath or the whole deal, the whole deal, the whole shebang. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I was kind of blown away when I thought, well, hang on, if the dracon is the equivalent of the tanin, and the tanin is like a sea monster or a sea dragon, uh, maybe the dracon here in Revelation should look a bit more like that rather than uh, the dragon we typically see. Like if, even the dragon mm. we kind of see is more from uh, our Western culture anyway. That's heavily influenced by like myths and lots of legends over the years. Exactly. So we shouldn't have that image when we read the text. <laughs> yeah. It's, pr- it's probably not reliable anyway. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, no harm in using it, you know, uh, it's fine, but I guess if you want to get really accurate, someone's got to come up with a sea serpent uh, version of that. Uh, I want to see that. Throw a few gills or something. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Put some gills on it. <laughs> and uh yeah, and here's what's so cool. We're just going to dip our toe back into the Old Testament once more. Uh, the most famous Tanin that everyone knows is Leviathan. Mm-hmm. And, like, you can't escape Leviathan. I mean, he even makes, like, cameos in just general pop culture. He's, like, uh, one of these Bible characters that breaks out of just the Christian world, kind of like Goliath. You know, everyone knows yeah. who Goliath is. And then... Everyone knows who uh, the Leviathan is. 
But there's a bit more to the Leviathan than we would initially suspect. And this is in Isaiah 27.1. And Isaiah here, through or God through Isaiah, proclaims judgment on the Leviathan. Now, this is weird if the Leviathan is just uh, an ordinary creature, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, if God were to be like, okay, all right, lions, it's time for your judgment. Like, okay, a bit, bit unusual or a bit odd. Yeah. Uh, all right, time to, time to line up, spider. You know, um, even even if you know we were thinking of perhaps even bigger, greater, um, you know, on a bigger scale, animals. It still just is a bit unusual for God to pronounce judgment on a, a creature that can't make moral decisions. Hmm. But uh, we we've since learned a lot more about these tannins and dracons. So we've got uh, a bit more insight now into what's going on here with Leviathan. Uh, do you want to read out for us 27.1? Yeah, sure thing. Isaiah 27.1. In that day, the Lord will punish with his sword, his fierce, his fierce, great and powerful sword, Leviathan, the gliding serpent, Leviathan, the coiling serpent. He will slay the monster of the sea. Mm. So in in case it wasn't clear enough there, Isaiah says three times, serpent, serpent, monster or reptile. (laughs) He's He's getting the point across. Yeah, very much so. And uh, I I think um, here we're getting a bit of a clue. This Leviathan might be symbolic in a way of uh, the character of Satan. Mm. Uh, We know that the enemies of God are these tannins satan in revelation is like the ultimate tannin he's the ultimate dragon and here we've got we've got a dragon who is under judgment and we're not told who it is like uh the pharaoh or nebuchadnezzar he's just called the leviathan Mm. Uh, and i think you know the most likely candidate we'd have would be to point to um to satan Mm. Uh, and i think that's even it even makes sense in the, the story that people know Leviathan most from, which is from Job. Uh, at the end of the story, God says to Job, like, hey, look, uh, I even control Leviathan. Like, what do you have to be worried about? And if you think how Job's story starts, it starts with God and Satan. And hmm. perhaps the book is also finishing with God saying, I've got, I've got Satan, you know, right where I want him, basically, like, you don't have to worry about him. He, he's not doing anything that, um, you know, I'm not letting him do. He, he, he only has as much wiggle room as I allow him to have, you know. Um, I, I set the boundaries of the city. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't even thought of that. That's cool. <laughs> Feel free to use it whenever you want. <laughs> I will. I'm going to use that next time. <laughs> and, yeah, so looking at all of these examples of the, the tannins and the dracons, uh, it's all cool to know, but, um, and maybe you can tease this out a bit for us, Jesse, what kind of spiritual application do we get from this? Like how, how do we make this relevant to us? All this stuff about dragons and monsters in the ocean. Hmm. I guess like Isaiah really helps us in this regard. Like the Lord is, uh great and strong he's got his huge sword and he will punish leviathan like he will slay leviathan like 
like uh, when I picture Leviathan, you know, I, I think of something pretty scary, something pretty scary, <laughs> something strong, something powerful, as I'm sure like everyone thinks of. And so I think of Satan, you know, he's obviously strong. He's obviously powerful. And that we should have, I think, a healthy fear as like you should have a healthy fear of sharks. You should have a healthy fear of anything dangerous and strong. But you know that in the end, God is going to slay Leviathan. Mm. He is strong and mighty and he's got a huge sword and he will slay Leviathan. And in the end, as powerful and as crafty and as worrisome Satan is to us, we know that in the end, well, he is defeated. First of all, at the cross, Satan is defeated. But yeah, we we don't have to fear when we've got an all powerful God. You know, I, I'll why not? I'll reuse the line. He has set the boundaries of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like, like it. He, he keeps Leviathan in his place. Like he does have a little bit of wiggle room, as you said, Chris. You know, the, the sea is his wiggle room, but you know, like he's a sea creature. When God stops him, where he can stop him because God is still in control. So it does give you that hope and that comfort, though, that you know, God's with us. Yeah, awesome. No, I love that. And um, there's a, there's one more cameo that the Tanin make in Genesis one twenty one. Mm. And uh, some some translations, I, I reckon they're a bit um, coy. They're playing a bit coy because they're not sure what to do with this. Some of them will say yeah. like a whale or uh, creatures of the deep. I think that's a little bit uh, misleading. Because in Genesis one twenty one it says God made the tanim, He made these great uh, serpents or dragons or beasts, whatever you want to call them. Mm. And you think to yourself, why is God making these these things? You know, like aren't these the bad guys? Well, before the fall, you know, there were no uh, enemies of God on earth, and you know everything was perfect. These were. Yeah. of great beauty and kind of pointed to the the majesty and supreme power of god i guess similar to satan right who was once a covering cherub you know mm. exactly <clears throat> and uh it's interesting because in most other creation stories like in the ancient near east at this time in order for the god to tame the sea they always had to tame some sort of sea serpent or sea dragon probably mm. the most famous is uh the babylonian goddess tiamat she was the, the dragon of the, the sea. And, you know, uh, I forget which god it is. I think it's Tamar. Marduk? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, maybe Marduk. Maybe Marduk. Yeah. One of the two, uh, like, has to wrestle Tiamat <laughs> to get control of the ocean, right? Yeah. And I love Genesis also features this Tanin, this serpent. God doesn't have to do anything. He, mm. hasn't, he hasn't lift a finger because... Mm-hmm. Uh, God made them. They're not this. Uh, they're not this beast that's outside of His control. He doesn't have to wrestle them to, you know, get the seas under His command. He already has that. He already controls mm. the world. He controls the sea. He controls the tanin because He made it. Like it's subservient to God. It's nowhere mm. near in competition with God, like the sea serpents in these other creation stories where there's this, you know, tussle. Like you know, in those stories, it's like, oh, it could go either way. But with God, like it's a clear victory. Like these, these, uh, these beasts are under God. God is the one who reigns supreme. And I just think it's so cool that that, mm. that word tanim is used there as a kind of like a little bit of a jab to those <laughs> other ancient cultures to be like, you reckon your God's cool because he fought the dragon? Our God made, you know, the sea dragon, you know, 
that's that's how powerful he is so well jesse i'm going to let you wrap up here because i like your little catchphrase that you've come up with and i want to bring it all the way back to that first verse we read which was that when god creates a, a new heaven and a new earth there's not going to be any sea and so maybe you want to wrap up for us why that's relevant and find a way to squeeze in your catchphrase <laughs> We'll do. Okay, I'll try my best. <laughs> so right now, like the Satan, is, I think you mentioned in, this, in your sermon, woe to the earth because he's down here and he's making a wreck of the place and the wreck of God's people. He is still, he still has some wiggle room, you know, that God has set the boundaries of the sea, but there's still a sea. There's still a sea serpent. But if there's no sea, how can there be any sea serpent, right? And so what makes the new earth and the new heaven so amazing is that there is no more Satan. There is no more sea. There's no more sea serpent. And we are free to live our lives with God, with each other, without an adversary, without uh, someone trying to destroy us, uh, to eat us um, as a sea serpent would want to do. And so it's a beautiful picture of a peaceful, perfect environment with no more Satan, no more sea monster. And we are happy, we are free to live with, uh, in relationship with God forever without anyone trying to dis disrupt that or disharmonize that. And I think that's beautiful. And I think I squeeze in that saying, so hopefully <laughs> that's all right. <clears throat> nice. No, that's absolutely perfect. And yeah, look to our listeners at home. I really hope that, uh, this can give you a lot of encouragement and hope, you know, um, We've, we've kind of explored all sorts of different uh, areas of the Bible today and looked at um, Satan and his allies, these enemies of God. And yeah, the fact that God's, God's reigning supreme. Um, he's controlling everything and he's allowing Satan and his allies to have some temporary limited freedom, uh, but that's going to come to an end very quickly. And perhaps you are experiencing at the moment some of the results of that rebellion of Satan, the, the consequences of sin and living in just this broken world, you know, this imperfect world. Uh, if you are experiencing that, uh, I do want to also say uh, the fact that there's a future hope doesn't diminish uh, the fact that you may be going through intense suffering and pain and misery and grief right now. Uh, God, God knows where we are as humans he knows that when we lose a, a, a loved one you know uh, or a loved one gets sick or um when you know we're in desperate need you know financially or whatever it might be god knows that we're humans we're we're creatures that live in the present and we worry about present things and mm -hmm. god doesn't deny us the opportunity to to come to him and tell him hey i'm I'm stressed. Hey, I'm upset. I'm, I'm grieving. I'm confused. I'm, you know, whatever it is, we can take that to God, but God also is able to offer us a peace that only he can give. And uh, sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it takes time, but the reason we can have that ultimate peace, the reason that there is any hope at all is because of that future uh, restoration of the world that is to come. And so I hope that that can be encouraging to you that while you may be experiencing uh, trials and suffering now, 
go take it to God. God wants to hear you. God is not going to diminish the fact that we do live in a broken and sinful world and we do suffer, but he's also going to be able to give you hope and give you peace because of that fact that there is no sea uh, Mm. in that new heaven and new earth. There is no evil. There is no place for Satan and his allies to be. There's no place found for them there anymore. They're they're gotten rid of and all pain and suffering uh, is gotten rid of too. And really, if you want to be there in that new heaven and new earth, uh, it's pretty simple. It's the easiest thing that any of us can do, which is to accept what Jesus has done for us, accepting that loving sacrifice he made on the cross where he paid uh, for the penalty of our sins. And if you can do that, then you have secured your place in that new heaven and new earth. And you have uh, ensured that you're going to see Jesus face to face one day, that uh, the God who really did everything so that we could be brought back to him and brought back into this perfect perfect world that he wants for us so i hope that uh if you haven't made that decision yet i hope that the conversation that jesse and myself have had uh has maybe convicted you or inspired you to do that and it's as simple as just talking to god and saying yes god i want to accept uh, what jesus has done for me and perhaps if uh, you're a listener and this is knowledge that you've known for a long time perhaps this is something that you need to share with someone else that maybe there's someone in your life that is going through that pain and suffering and just needs to know uh, that God is going to sort things out in the end. Mm. Well, there we go. We've covered dragons. We've covered uh, about war in heaven. We've, we've kind of gone a bit all over the place today. We have, and we we ended with the gospel, so that can't end at a better place than that. So I think I think it's all right. <laughs> I think exactly. It's- <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, I just want to thank you again, Jesse, for um, coming and uh, spending your time talking with me about sea dragons. I mean, who who would who wouldn't uh, say no to that? I mean, who <laughs> about sea dragons? So my pleasure, Chris. It's been great. It's been good. Awesome, <laughs> and of course, to all our listeners. Um, Make sure to watch out for our next few episodes. As I said, these are going to be uh, the final stages of the After Sermon podcast year. We've really enjoyed uh, talking uh, and uh, having you all along for the journey with us over these years. And as we kind of go into these last final podcasts together, I just really hope that you'll be able to join us for them as uh, we talk about a few more of these really important topics Uh, about God and the Bible and about you and your life uh, as well. So, Hmm. of course, with all that being said, um, from all of us here at the Episode Podcast, thank you for listening. Make sure to listen next week. Have a good one and good night.